We at Time to Rebuild would like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. At the YMCA Rebuild, we're in the business of reducing recidivism in Victoria and in no way do we condone criminal activity discussed in these episodes. We support victims of crime and are committed to creating a safer community. Welcome to A Time to Rebuild, the podcast that explores the impact of crime from incarceration to positive transformation and everything in between. All right, Mick Cronin. Mark Wilson. How's things? Not too bad, and yourself? Yeah, good, good. Well, I guess uh, I'm going to throw it over to you, Mick, uh, to start us off today. Yeah, yeah. Normally you do the introductions, but because I um, do such an amazing job of them and everyone has been really pouring in, uh, asking me to do more and more, um, I'll take this one. But I, I think I'd like to simplify it a bit t- today, Mark, um, because normally I go on a bit of a rant and a rave about it, but uh, I think sometimes it's about the quality, not quantity. So um, I am excited um, to have our next guest, uh, Amanda Shepard, who is the co-founder of Green Fox Studios. And um, now we've... I've known Amanda now for a while. Um, our paths have crossed many a time, um, whether it's at the Social um, Enterprise World Forum or whether it's just, you know, in different realms of the work that we do. Um, and I've always been fascinated by the work that Green Fox Studio does. And Amanda is a very passionate person about the work that we do. And it's very, a lot of similarities, I think, and synergies in what we do. So we thought, what an amazing guest to have on um, who can also give a bit of a, I suppose, a different... Um, take and view on why the work we do is so important but also the work that Green Fox Studio does which I think is very unique and, uh, and I think will be very interesting to our listeners. So Amanda, welcome to Time to Rebuild. Thank you very much Mick, it's uh, lovely to see you again. Virtually. Virtually, but you we'll get into it a little bit. You are uh, you are down in Melbourne. I know for being a Queenslander you love the Victorian weather and uh, and you love to get down here at any opportunity you get. But we'll go into a little bit about your expansion and so forth like that. But why don't we just kick it off, Amanda, and if you give us a little bit if you go back a little bit of a, a background of maybe um, you know, your kind of corporate kind of career and, and so forth, and then we can roll into how it kind of shifted and changed and why it shifted and changed into the into the amazing work that you do now yeah absolutely so yeah i'm i'm amanda shepherd i am one of the co-founders of green fox studio and green fox training studio um, alongside my other co-founder kelly wilmot we started initially with green fox studio which is a creative agency and we started back in 2018 um, after some pretty pretty lengthy careers in the corporate world as um, as graphic designers. And yeah, I suppose we felt we felt a little bit maybe burnt out from from working in in that world, loved being creatives, loved what we did, but just just needed a change, I suppose. and I was given an opportunity to, crazily enough, go and work in a maximum security men's prison here in, in Queensland to teach graphic design. 
and it was a bit of a, a pilot program and I suppose I went out there and I guess I found what that missing piece of the puzzle was, um, getting the fulfilment that I loved from being a creative because it certainly is that. You don't go into it to make a sh- – sorry, I was about to swear – a whole lot of money as a designer. You go into it because you are one of these lucky people that actually gets to do something that they love every single day and, and being creative. So I found this really lovely kind of, I guess, melting pot of a world where I could actually go in and teach some of these skills to people that had never – ever experienced um, graphic design before and then be able to kind of instill or ignite a passion for creativity in them. Um, and in in doing so, I suppose, yeah, it just opened up this whole world and, and always um, as a creative person, you're always constantly thinking about other ideas and other things you could do and da-da-da-da-da and... That's ultimately what it came down to. And so I'd get on the phone after being in the prison all day and call up Kelly and we'd start talking about how we could, how we could maybe make this a job. And um, yeah, that was back in 2018 and it's 2023 now and we're still making it a job. <laughs> but, um, but we've been fortunate enough to make it a job and change a lot of lives. Mm. So... Yeah, look, that's that's where the passion bit comes from. I love that. And um, quickly before we move on, before when you were offered that opportunity to go in to, to the you know maximum security prison and, and you know teach, um, did you have any preconceptions in, in what you were going to walk into and what was probably the most surprising thing that you didn't expect? Like what a good or bad, or hopefully probably be good. Mm. Yeah, so I... I did. I'd never been into a prison before that very first visit. So before I actually went out and, you know, took the job, um, I had a visit to the prison and I was kind of excited and I was a little bit nervous. I had no idea what to expect. Um, And when I went out there of course there was the whole red tape thing you know the getting your fingerprints and getting your retina scanned and you know all that kind of stuff which is a little bit intimidating and you know there's this little tiny bit of you that thinks oh shit what have I done yeah am I, you know yeah. are they gonna find out that I've oh my gosh maybe I've got you know a record or like are they gonna find out something about me that I don't know um, you know, what are they going to find yeah. out? Yeah. So there's all of those things. But then I suppose um, the one thing that I wasn't terrified of was the people. Um, I, was, I was scared of the environment, I think. It was, it was the environment that was unknown. And when I actually saw the environment, it was pretty much what I expected. Um, and the people were probably better than I expected. And I mean, I mean that in, um, I had no idea how much enthusiasm I was going to see coming from the potential 
participants in this program. Like, for example, when we went out there to interview the the guys that were going to be, you know, the first kind of cohort of this program, we must have interviewed at least 50 people, like 50 guys. And that prison at the time wasn't even, I don't think there were even 300 prisoners there. So that's a huge proportion of the prison that actually thought they might be interested in doing this. But then, you know, it was actually really difficult to to narrow that down. Like we only had nine places. How do you, yeah, like that's a massive cull, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, so that was kind of surprising. And then, of course, once you kind of start working in there, yeah, I I suppose it was, it was an eye-opener in humanity. Yeah. 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 When I you am, were doing those, oh, sorry. Man. You go ahead, Mac. When you were doing those interviews, what were you looking for out of the 50 guys? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Nobody's asked me that yeah. before. But it's so true, yeah. right? Because it's not like a normal job no. interview, per se. And it's not like the guys that I'm interviewing are graphic designers. So I'm not looking at a design yeah. portfolio. So, yeah, it was very much about narrowing down what I could see in their creative thinking process. So what we did was we kind of wrote a brief that they, that the people that were interested, they were given the brief before we went and did the interview, this is, and they had to go away and they had to choose one of the briefs. I think there were maybe three, might've been a logo design. There might've been, gosh, I can't even remember what they were. Um, And so they would, they would come up with a solution for that brief. And that's what they brought to the interview. Okay, awesome. And through writing the brief, we were trying to gauge what their creative thinking process was. And along with that, obviously, you know, their dedication or, you know, determination, maybe things like attention to detail. Um, and then the norm, the usual things that you would look at when you're employing anyone. So, you know, do they treat you with the respect and, you know, how, how is that person presented in, in the interview? And yeah, I suppose as the process went on, it was a lot more like as traditional a job interview as we could get, yeah. you know? Yeah. We, we kind of tweaked it and refined it, but yeah. So awesome. yes. And, um, I had the pleasure of, um, in back in 2019 of visiting, um, I was in Queensland and I was um, doing a tour. Um, normally you do tours when you go on uh, into different states of wineries and other things like that, but I was doing one of prisons. Um, and I came across um, Green Frog Studio for the first time in a prison in, in Queensland. And it really was um, something very new for me. Like it, it kind of blew me away a little bit because we were doing stuff here in Victoria where we had like working with industries and we were doing all that side, which is very standard in, in a, in a prison. Yeah. And then I walked into this, um, into this area and there was like about, I think there was like about 20 to 40 men in this, in this area. Right. It was, it was bloody hot. I can tell you that. Right. It was like a tin shed. It was like 40 degrees. And I was like, and you've got all these computers and you know what got me about it, Amanda, it was the silence. Yeah everyone was just so engaged in what they were doing right and uh and this was my introduction to to the work you were doing i was like wow i've never seen this and it was like you know advertisement you know design creative it was all this creative side and then when we were speaking to the 
and we were asking a couple of questions to the, to the men doing it. And there, when they were explaining what they were doing and the enthusiasm of that, and then talking about how to do an advertisement campaigns and so forth and how this was going outside and all that, I just found it mind-blowing. Can you break it down for us, what the actual program was and what you were doing in those early days and, and how the men mm-hmm. were doing, how you were unlocking all this creativity in them? Yeah. Look, uh, and undoubtedly, as you said just then, yes, you know, teaching digital skills inside a prison, particularly back in 2018, um, let alone now, uh, is a really enormous challenge because traditionally there is a bit of a, a, a thought pattern amongst, you know, corrections in general, I think, that prisoners shouldn't have access to computers to tech um and in 2018 that was probably even more prevalent because you know we're talking pre-covid um they weren't even they were very rarely even doing video link you know court back then so like it really was it was even 2017 i think that we first went in there so yeah setting that up was pretty trial and error and it was pretty dodgy (laughs) like it was like there was some you know they weren't even networked the computers weren't even networked so every single computer was standalone and we'd we had permission to take a usb stick in with our lessons for the day and put them on every individual computer and then at the end of the day collect the work and then do that every single day um, and I suppose it was it was those kind of things that just led to oh well we could do this better. What if what if we actually networked their computers? You know what if we used um, you know Ethernet cables to network them? Could we do that so that at least we could put the files on one computer and then they could be shared across? And then you know it just kind of we just built it from there and. I think my my best um, description of it for those listening that are of our generation, um, it's it, it looked like a '90s LAN party. You know where all the yeah. geeks would sit in the yeah. It was totally like that, except all the geeks were prisoners and they were all wearing green and they're all plugged in. You know, like yeah. yeah. So we had this yeah. Um, but the obviously the challenges were enormous, um, particularly as a lot of the programs that we were teaching them, the software programs that we were teaching them, um, were Adobe programs because Adobe is is the leader in graphic design. They're pretty much the one and onlys, right? And Adobe started to adapt the cloud-based um, model which meant that all the all the older computer-based um, licenses were kind of, oh, disappearing. So we had this real, yeah, this, this massive big deal to kind of navigate through. But in doing that, we were really fortunate because we actually then built and established a great working relationship with Adobe who could understand what our challenges were and 
why it was so important that we, you know, could access something different. And, and so we worked with them and yeah, now, now they're a massive supporter of what we do. So, you know, sometimes these challenges there, there's obviously there's a greater purpose for them. Um, so yeah, essentially we started out teaching the very basics of, of graphic design um, so we'd do design principles and elements and then we'd introduce them to Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, and then as they kind of progress, they'd move on to um, InDesign, which does more, you know, desktop publishing kind of stuff like magazines and things like that. Um, and then we found some of the participants might have been exceptionally good at, you know, different areas. So we'd encourage them to do more tutorials um, and more training. We had people going on to do motion graphics. Then we found people interested in learning VR or 3D modeling or coding or, you know, we, we had all of these skills coming through our door because what, you know, the, the prisoners started kind of talking about and, um, that kind of little network inside there started growing and they were like, oh yeah, well, I know so-and-so, he's a really great writer. Um, so, you know, could you ever use those skills? Well, yeah, of course, you know, or um, maybe people that were not necessarily creative, but were really tech minded. We had people in there, you know, coming in and helping us to manage our network. So yes, by the time Mick was in there, I think we had... 35 men in there every single morning and every single afternoon. And so you can imagine with 35 prisoners all networked um, by this stage, all running off a server that we hosted all our library on, that we needed an IT guy, you know, and we needed, yeah, we needed a studio manager and we needed this and this and this. But you know, it was still only Kelly and myself, and that's all we could afford. Um, so we thought, well, we've got 35 guys here. Why wouldn't we give those jobs to them? They're, that's got to be their job. So, so then it was this process of actually going, okay, well, we're going to interview you for the role of like traffic manager or, you know, admin assistant or, you know, all kinds of things. So it was... Yeah, it's really incredible. It's, that's what I love. It's super innovative. And it, it really, for anyone listening as well, like it's, you think of prisons and you think of the, the mindsets of the, of the people in there, yeah? And, and we always talk about the skills and transferable skills and all that kind of stuff, yeah? But I always feel, I always feel that there's a certain direction that you can only go. Like you can obviously study, you can obviously, you know, you can better yourself in studies and do all that. But to have that experience in a creative um, digital um, space, that was, that was the first I'd seen of it. And I was blown away when I was in there. I, could, I spent an hour or two, I could have spent a lot more in there just chatting and just seeing how it was doing. First of all, you're right. I was like, how the hell are you making this happen? You know, and then after that, it was like, when then to see what you're doing in there was just incredible. And... Um, 
tell us about some of the stuff that they that, that they will be doing for Green um, Fox Studios. Like, were you working campaigns and working with, with you know your customers and your stakeholders in the in the in the outside world? And how was that going from inside out in the work that they were doing for you, the men in there? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question because there were a couple of different ways in which we worked. Obviously logistically getting files in and out of the prison was an, a nightmare like so particularly when it came to those enormous files like the 3d modeling files so um we we kind of had to work around that with um, being quite selective of the work that was able to be completed inside and then you know we'd we'd graduated to taking portable hard drives in by this stage. So we weren't just working with our little USB sticks. We actually, we were allowed a portable hard drive. Um, and so we would take a hard drive in and then the really big, like really big kind of rendering stuff that would need to happen outside. That's what we, we would bring that outside because it was just too hard to get it done in there. The other thing that, we've always been really, really conscious of is being quite transparent with our clients um, and also the participants, because I don't want anyone to think that we would be taking advantage of people, you know, that, that are incarcerated because that's the furthest from our mind. Like we're in there, essentially, whilst we were we're in the prison up here, we were donating our time into there because nobody was paying us to be in there. Um, so we were donating our time to help train these people so that they could develop the skills. And then when they're released, then they could go on and find employment or even better, which we've been able to do is, or we can employ them in our creative agency because we see this longer term path that hopefully and this is back in 2018, of course, we're going to be a really successful creative agency. We're going to be able to employ people, you know. So um, that was that was one of those very, you walk a very fine line and that's why it's so important to be completely honest and completely transparent with why you're there. Because um, we would also find that there's a lot of negative, you know, I, I realize that there's a lot of people being taken advantage of in that system and rightly so everyone should question, you know, why, what are, what are the reasons? Um, and, and the same goes for our clients. Our clients don't want, they don't want to be associated with anyone that's, you know, taking advantage of someone. So, you know, the way in which we would work was that inside the prison, we had a studio manager and a senior graphic designer. And then we would also have seniors amongst the prisoners. So they would be the team leaders. And then there's a couple of levels um, under them, I suppose, just like any other creative agency really. And those team leaders would be the ones that are responsible for ensuring that their team is getting their work done. And some of that work might have been really like, small like depending on the level of skill we had at the time because I'm sure as you know it's a very very volatile environment and you've got people moving through the system but you've also got there's 
there were, we always found a, a real core team of long-term um, employees in there. So if we only had fairly junior staff, they would only be working on fairly minor things, you know, for example, like photo retouching or like deep etching images, you know, cutting the images out to use, or it might be a small part of a larger job. And the guys inside might not ever see that larger job until it's gone to print and we bring it in to show them, right? Because they might only be working on this small little portion of that. But just like with any other creative agency, that's nothing that's particularly unusual because you get the experts to do this part of the job and then those people do that part. And, you know, your creative director oversees that and the, the writers are writing that. So it would all get pulled together outside in our creative agency by our senior staff. Um, if there's obviously, you know, like sensitive work, that would never go into the prison. Sensitive work would never go into the prison because, you know, there's, there's too much risk involved in that. But in order to be able to teach so many people at a time, it had to be, um, it had to be real world projects because we just don't have the time or capacity to be writing all these different wonderful, you know, fun tutorials for people to do. It had to be real world projects that our creative agency was working on and getting paid for so that we could use that to teach. So it was very much, you know, it was very much a pathway. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And I, can, I definitely see like the creative aspect of it with the guys in there. I run an education program in there and I can understand when I'm running an activity and we go from like book work to a hands-on activity, like it's like the switch just flicks and they're just lit up. I can only imagine yeah. what a room full of computers and, like, and, and new knowledge in creating and designing and all that sort of stuff would look like. It's, yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, just the, I've, I've looked at some of your stuff online. It's crazy just to, to see like, yeah, the quality of all the stuff there. Oh. And, and this is just it. This is something that we have always been. And I suppose, as you guys would know, as a social enterprise, you're scrutinized right down to the, <laughs> you know. So there's, there's often a perception amongst, uh, you know, the wider community that, oh, well, it's a social enterprise. So, oh, oh and it's been, oh, the work's been done by prisoners. Yeah. Oh, it mustn't be very good then or something like that. Yeah. And so we were right from the get go. We went. We're just gonna. We're just gonna eliminate yeah. that by just making sure that it's awesome. Yeah. And it's something that we have always been really proud yeah. of. And it is actually, you know, it's the only way that we've been able to grow the business. Because at the end of the day, the creative agency has to make money. Otherwise, we can't donate time to anyone. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah. And has that become less of a conversation? I suppose it has. Yeah. I haven't really thought yeah. of it until you just asked that question. Um, I suppose, yes, you're right. Because Kelly and I made the decision to really kind of separate the two sides of the business, as in the creative agency is very much the creative agency and the training 
studio is very much the training studio. Mm. Um, but yes, I suppose we're not asked those questions quite as often anymore. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly, like when, when we used to get asked those questions, you know, people would ask us things like, and I'll never forget, like, I'll never forget being asked by somebody They'd seen our work. They loved our work. Oh, yeah, it's so fantastic. You've been doing that work. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I really love that. That was great. And, oh, we need to get one of those done and, and blah, blah, blah. And um, because you work in a prison, does that mean that you're cheaper? You know, are you comparable with sending work to India or something? Yeah. And I, I thought, I thought, Oh my gosh, I I just can't respond. Yeah. And I think Kelly was like, Kelly was just about to, yeah, like, and we just thought, you know what, you're never going to change those perspectives. No. It's not worth your while. You just go. Why would we do mm. that? Because this, you know, if if our work is as good as that, why would we charge Correct. less? And that's the I think that's where social enterprise is kind of at, and coming out of it. Where, where it's hopefully we get like social enterprise gets seen as just the same as any other business uh, and people don't don't think of it as a cheaper option because it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But would Definitely. you, um, well, I'd imagine as well, Amanda, that you, um, some of your clients will use Green Fox Studio and book Green Fox Studio for the quality of work that you do, Yeah. Do they not necessarily know that you've got this other side as well that you work um, in that? Because for, for us, for, for when we were doing Rebuild, um, we were winning business and people didn't know the other, other side of what we were doing. They were just employing us for the service we were doing. Then when they found that out, it became a bit of a value add for them as well. So, so I'd imagine that's where it would probably sit for some of your clients. And then where does the social procurement, obviously you would have a bit of a social procurement side of it too as well, where your clients can actually you know, do something really good for a service that they can get somewhere else, but by using you, and they can also then, you know, really tick that community responsibility kind of box that they're trying to do and, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And Mick, that is where like Kelly and I literally had this, this conversation this morning because we went, you know, and I suppose because it is still, we're still small and ultimately um, leading the business on both sides is still down to us, right? And there's only so many conversations that you can have and actually, you know, nurture them and make them make that happen. But it is something that we're like, we're not, we're not really making the most of what we have. So, yes, um, we do find that some of our clients have no idea that there is this whole other side of the business and what we're not doing very well. And I would absolutely love to be able to do better is to be able to kind of work with some of those clients that we currently do have that do have these targets that they need to meet and say, hey, well, how can we help make this happen? Because you're already using us. You're already using us for the work that we're doing, but you're not actually, you know, getting any of the added the value add from that. You're not asking us for our, you know, impact statement. You're not, you're not getting our, our numbers. So it is very much something that we, yeah, we want to focus on in, in the next probably, you know, 12 months um, and really leveraging that because 
there's a lot that the clients that we work with can do with us, you know, rather than just getting their work done, you know, if they've got uh, volunteer programs and if they've got, you know, targets that they need to meet. So I reckon you see it in a very unique um, place because um, with anything to do with like social procurement or, or any companies or organizations looking to do that, there's like, so the field that we work in obviously is in construction and then there's other stuff where you can go into hospitality um, and so forth. Mm. But you're sitting in that, you know, um, creative design and, and everything else around that. Now, that's so needed by organizations all across everywhere. But what they probably mm. don't know is what they don't know. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and and what they don't know is that you probably have this other side. And the other part that they don't know is how do they actually, where do they start to engage social procurement? Because probably looking at that service that you bring, it doesn't really, the, the light bulb doesn't go off. Or the, and, and that's fair enough. Why would they think that there's a social enterprise that is doing both of this? So I think, you know, you should be getting out there and shouting from the rooftops. I know you do, Amanda, but I tell you, I, I think you're in a really a great position or interesting position because you offer something that no one else really offers in the space that you're in at the moment and something that's badly needed as well um so yeah i'm interested in that i'm interested to see how that goes for you yeah and it is you know as i as i said we're restricted by size obviously you know to grow our capacity we need more staff and all of all of those kind of things i mean our our four-year plan is so big. We know that that's not going to all happen in four years. Like there's so much that we see, there's so much potential in the space that we're already in that we see. Um, so, you know, since starting the the program in the prison there, we, we now work in the community as well. Um, and we also work with, with young people all very, very different cohorts and all very, very different, I suppose, target objectives or outcomes as well. Um, I think, you know, for the young people, we have them for such a short period of time that it's very difficult to kind of be looking at that as an employment outcome because we only have them like maybe for five days or maybe like for two hours a week over five weeks or whatever that may be, right? Um, for the women that we're working with, I it has been, we've been so excited by working with this cohort. So the, the women that are coming out of corrections um, or um, experiencing DV, escaping, you know, domestic violence. And now we're also working with uh, asylum seekers and, and refugees. These women have the most unbelievable determination I have ever come across and they want to make things happen. And so their determination to get through and to learn all of these skills that we are teaching them is incredible. Um, And there's just so much that they can do with this. You know, learning these skills doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they've got to go on and become a graphic designer. They learn some digital skills like this and, you know, they can help the people in their community by, you know, jumping up and, and you know, creating the posters for the community centre or for the church group or, you know, they could set up their own businesses in, in order to, 
you know, create an income from home whilst they're raising their children or, you know, they can help local organisations by designing their, you know, social media or website. You know, there's just there's just so much that is possible yeah. with, with these people, with this group of people. And, you know, we would ideally, we'd like to work with, all of the cohorts, all of them, because each different cohort has different potential. Like there's there's different outcome potential. Yeah. A couple of things, um, whatever audio answer, like how big is your team, firstly? Where is your reach now? Meaning like, you know, you, when I first, met you, I first knew about you were in Queensland, so where are you now? And I would love to know, um, a breakdown a little bit about your training program and so forth as well like is that something where they go and student placements from there and is there other companies that, that you know can help out and then and that as well so yeah if you could answer if you could go to them that would be great yeah so we are based in Queensland started in Queensland and up here we've got a team of seven um and two of those seven full-time staff, I should say, two, uh, two of those staff have lived experience. Um, and then we've got, I think, roughly about four part-timers, uh, a couple with lived experience. And we are now in New South, northern New South Wales. Grafton, that's not northern, mm. is it? It's... In New South Wales. <laughs> so, um, so we're in New South Wales and we're also now in Victoria. So we don't have specific bases in Victoria. We've been running our programs outside of inside uh, community centres and um, places like the uh, Asylum Seeker, Refu Asylum Seeker uh, Resource yeah. Hub. Um, but with a view to actually, you know, permanently being down there, we, we just need to get our feet on the ground and find out where our, where our sweet spot is down there, I think. Um, so now in terms of the people that we're actually working with, we're working with, we're not actually in the Queensland prison system anymore as much as we would love to be. We are not. Um, and, you know, that, that's a whole nother story, but ultimately our goal is to be back in in Queensland um, in the adult prison system, but we're working in juvenile detention here. So we're working with Youth Justice and the Department of Education in Queensland. We're working with Youth Justice in New South Wales. And in Victoria, we're working with um, uh, the justice. I can't even think of what Victoria is called. What's your prison system? It's justice something. Anyway. Just the system. No, I'm joking. Yes. Are you working with the youth justice system? Are you working with corrections as well? Are you working across boats? We're not working in youth justice in Victoria. No, you're just no. working. Are you working with. We're working with adults. Oh, so you're working with corrections, Victoria? Yeah. I don't think they're called that, though, are they? But yes, we're working We're working with them. So, um, so yeah, look, there, there's. And all of those programs for all of those cohorts have been quite unique. They are quite unique. They're quite different. So in New South Wales, we've been delivering holiday programs. So they go for like five days. So they will, we'll, you know, deliver a, a program over the 
whole five days. So they'll do a full day each. Those outcomes are awesome. Um, we get really fantastic buy-in from the participants then because over that five days, it's quite intense and you spend a lot of time with the young people and we develop really great rapport. Um, so we've had really great feedback from them. In Queensland, in youth justice, it's once again, it's another very, very different model um, that we keep tweaking all the time because we have such limited uh, time because we're actually working within the Department of Education. So we're working in a school um, within youth justice, which is very different again. So I think um, our lessons learned from all of these is that you just you have to be flexible and you you just you have to yeah you constantly revisit what you're doing to ensure that it's working and that it is targeted and it's meeting the needs of the people that you're working with um whilst we were in the prison here in queensland we actually developed a um a learning management system so where now upgrading that so that it's offline and online and that we've got um, a program specifically for women, a program specifically for young people and a program for, for adult males because they really are all different. Um, and we would like to keep building on that because what we're looking at in the community is very much the, well, what's next, the next steps. And once they kind of finish working with us it's very much a well where to from here so and how do we support our participants to get there so whether it be through you know employment service providers whether it be through further education um you know maybe it is an entrepreneur entrepreneurial program a whole bunch of different things so as you're talking i'm just thinking like you're in one of the fastest moving sectors there is and it's like constantly evolving. Like you've got you've got things like Canva, which has come on and just like really popular. Um, AI in the last six months has, has felt like it's just blown up completely. Um, do you have to take all this stuff into consideration when you're creating your programs? Totally, one hundred percent. Like I'm I'm glad that I am my age because I think that in like. 20 years time that there won't be graphic designers because it'll all be done by the AI. But, um, but right now you still need That's it. Absolutely. So. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but um, yes, we are constantly taking those things into consideration. Mm. Once again, though, because Adobe have been such awesome supporters of us, we have access to all the latest Adobe tools and equipment. And it's actually a really, valid and interesting point that you make because when i when i've been speaking about what we're doing here in with young people in queensland is that we've always traditionally worked with you know desktop computers since we started working with people in the community we've been taking laptops out but it still means you know it's pretty bulky yeah. you still got to carry this stuff around um and as you would know getting into um, prisons is, you know, there's a fair bit of rigmarole yeah. involved. Just a little. Just so, a little. Just a little bit. Um, 
So always looking to try and minimize that because it's time, it's time out. Um, and what we've been, what we're now kind of looking at adapting to is potentially working on iPads. And so it was an interesting point that you made about Canva in that Adobe have just recently brought out, I suppose, their alternative yeah. to that. And it's a really interesting concept because it's actually something that we've been developing since we've been working with the young people is this kind of this drag and drop yeah. model because what we've found is that we don't have the time to teach them how to use all the tools that we would teach you know a, a graphic designer how to use and not only that they don't want to learn them. Yeah. they're not interested it's, it's got we've got to have instant gratification um and so we've developed all of these lesson plans around that idea of instant gratification, right? That you can create a poster by the end of the lesson and that you can create, which is quite difficult mm. as a graphic designer to do that within 40 minutes, right? So we've had to really streamline, streamline it, you know, down. And we've done that in Illustrator and in Photoshop. But now that this new uh, software has come along and it, works on an iPad I'm um I'm currently trialing it on an iPad to see if we can actually really rein it in and go let's use this everything's on the iPad and this is what we're going to show you how to do so they're learning they're still getting that oh this is cool is that a job really is that a job and they're learning some skills but it's also giving them something that they could use immediately once they go out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the options the options are there's there's heaps when it comes to that, that yeah. industry as well. And remote work yeah. is is right up that Absolutely. alley. It we, it basically covid made no difference to yeah. us and our team. Like I choose to work in the office most of the time just cuz it's quiet. Yeah. Because, but you know, most of our team work from yeah. home, so there was there was very very little difference when COVID hit. Like people were, like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, we're not allowed out. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right, yep, yep, we're not allowed yeah. out. So, yeah. <laughs> um, what's what's next for you, Amanda? What's like, what do you need? You know, like obviously as a business, you've got your clients and so forth as well, but you're also a social enterprise. Like, so you've also got, you know, I, I'd imagine you're looking at you know, how you can tap into other things that can support you, especially when you're trying to establish in other states and you're, you know, growing your teams and so forth. Um, what's the kind of support that you need now? What are you looking at to the future? We need friends. Yeah. <laughs> we need friends? We need friends. Max got no, no friends. He's done all right for ages, Amanda. He's, he's been going well for ages. You need friends. You got friends. Where do you need, where where need, do you need your friends and what kind of friends do you need? Yeah, no, we need, we need, um, now that we've really, now that we've done a couple of these programs in Victoria, we, we really want to make this work. Um, and so it's about dedicating some of our time, you know, to work on those, um, relationships and things like that, you know, the partnerships, what we really need is partnerships. We need people that go, okay, well, I know that at the end of this four-week program, when, you know, these people, um, they're looking for work. Majority of people need work to be able to do their study. Um, and as a small business, we can't employ everyone. We, we can't employ 
we can employ very few people. So what we need are pathways to employment, you know, people that are willing to give our trainees a chance. And that might not necessarily be as a graphic designer, but it might be that, you know, somebody goes, wow, they already know how to use a computer. They know how to use all of these things. And clearly they've managed to do this program. They've navigated all of this. So that person could, you know, work in my office and could be, you know, an administrator, or maybe they can help with our social media or, you know, whatever that may be. So that it enables the people that we work with to continue learning and to continue building on their skills. Um, so yeah, those, those kind of partnerships, those what, you know, what's next in every state. And, you know, I, we want to be all over Australia, you know, but we've got to, we've got to get it right on the East coast first. Um, and you know, we, we do, we want to work with all of the cohorts, not just the young people and the women in, you know, some area and we want youth justice on board and we want, you know, corrections on board. Um, because ultimately it helps everyone. It's not a, you know, it's not a community service that we're doing here. We're running a business and we're providing skills to people that can then go out and find employment. Now that's going to help everyone, you know, it's going to help families. It's, it's going to help, it's going to help everyone. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You're doing amazing stuff. You're reducing recidivism rates. You're giving people opportunities. You're creating safer communities. All of that is the, is the other layers behind what you're doing, which is the initial thing where you're giving them like care and, and I suppose really, you know, a bit of love and care and, and then skills uh, as well, which, which they probably have never thought they um, could ever get, but have them nearly within them and you're just unlocking that as well. So um, I think, you know, we can definitely, definitely help you with introducing some friends in Victoria, um, you know, <laughs> in regards to, to just, just as you're speaking there, I was writing down some notes about potentially where, you know, can get you into conversations around that because what you do is so brilliant and and i think a lot of employers and businesses need um and they probably just need to look at you know a different way of going to market or a different way of trying to fill the gaps within their organization and give opportunities as well so it's uh it's hiring with purpose i think as well so um yeah um amanda like is there anything else that you 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 know um that you think is is on the the brink for you or or whatever like you do talk about just establishment and all that like i'm sure you have lots of great great ideas and, and everything else running around that head of yours um but is uh, is that just where it's at, at the moment just doing what you're doing in the states and just trying to establish yourself in victoria and then slowly build up across australia yeah yeah i mean that 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 pretty much is what it comes down to and but we're always you know we're always looking to kind of build the relationships that we already have with the organizations that we have as well as the relationships that we have with the clients that we already have rather than you know taking on everything and everyone and trying to juggle all of those all all at once I think you know for a while there probably last year we were trying to do all of that and then I realized that like chaos reigns and you just can't do that um so Kelly and I very much took 
you know, a different approach at the start of this year. And it was very much like, okay, this year is the year that we're going to just really embed some of these things rather than letting them run around like the wild ideas that they have been. But it's to really, um, to grab those ones that work and really build on them and, and prove them. And once we can do that, we've always been confident that we know what we're doing works, but once we can make that more public, you know, once people can see that, then, you know, that's when we can grow. Um, and I, and I suppose, you know, it, it is, it's about, I realize being in business now for a few years, not that I'm some expert cause I'm not, I've never run a business until I ran this one, but, um, it's so much about relationships and that's not just in doing business. It's about, it's all about relationships. It's all about people. And the thing that we love about being a social enterprise is that all of the people that we mix with in, in this, you know, world are people that actually believe in us as well. And they don't, they're not the ones saying, why would you work with them? And they're the ones that actually lift you up and keep you going and make you feel that what you're doing is worthwhile, you know, and it, and it is really important to keep on going. Yeah, great, great words. And um, well, we'll we'll let you go before you go. I ask a question to every one of our guests then um, before um, before they leave, and that is um, when you were younger. Um, way back when you were, you know, in you know, in your in your childhood. That wasn't very long ago. No, I'm just saying a couple of years when you can just think back. You'll be very fresh in your mind, Amanda. But when you were when yeah. you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be either an artist or an actress. Ah. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's it, exactly. Which one has the higher percentage? Uh. I think I always wanted to be an artist. Yeah, it was always, you know, that was the that was the thing for me. What put me off was what put me off being an actress was my um, speech and drama teacher back when I was maybe in grade six, saying to me, Amanda, it's great if you want to be an actress. That's wonderful, and you can go to NIDA and you can study and you can do all of those things. But if you want to be an actress, you better be a very good waitress. <laughs> the honesty. Yeah, that's the honesty. One, you backed straight out of that one, did you? And all right, I'll just go. And I went, oh shit, I hate to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you are a bit of an artist, um, and, and uh, yeah, and I don't think you ever need to be an actress because you're very, uh, you come across with all the passion about what you do, and uh, and I've always always had lots of time listening to you and talking to you um, and I always come away feeling very inspired by the work that you do Amanda and I hope you know how great the work that you do is as well and uh, as well so um, I look forward to seeing everything that you do with Green Fox Studios not just um, in Victoria but across Australia and no doubt we'll uh, our paths will cross very soon so when you're back down enjoying our lovely weather um, you know you need to come around and, and drop in for a coffee and we can introduce you to your friends yeah, that sounds wonderful. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Amanda. If anything in today's episode has raised any issues for you or someone you know, head over to our website for a full list of services that may help. 
at ymcarebuild.org.au under the podcast tab. This podcast was produced by Mick Cronin and Mark Wilson. Editing done by Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson.